0: The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground.
1: Take a few moments, adjust your body. Maybe one of you over by the lights, which is the top two lights, could go up just a little bit more, not all the way, but just so we can see each other. Thanks. Thanks. So just so you know, that's 30 minutes. It often is a little easier to sit when you're with a group. It's just much easier to feel like, well, I can move because no one's looking, no one's listening. So that's why I've been mentioning in the past weeks that it's good to get a timer. Like I said, you can get the Insight Meditation Timer. It's an app you can get for free for your phone where you can set the time, you get a nice chime a little bit like this Japanese gong um, as the beginning, sound for the beginning, the end of the set. And then put your phone or your kitchen timer or whatever you're using, put it away so you aren't looking at it. Cover it up, put it under your cushion or under your blanket. And you set the time for a time you're absolutely sure that you're not going to die. <laughs> right? If you stick to it. And then just stick to it. And it's just like you're, even if you're like totally blew it, and you know, you've been swirling about some drama in your life for the last 10 minutes, and it just seems to make so much sense oh, I should just get up and start my day, you know? And then realize well, that's just a thought being known. It doesn't matter how off the rails your SIT has gotten. Stick with the amount of time that you decided. But be realistic. It's always better to build up your confidence in the practice. So start with an amount of time you're pretty sure you can stick with. So you start feeling some sense of uh, accomplishment, like, yeah, I did it. I stayed there for that 10 minutes, or that 20 minutes, or that 30 minutes, or that 40 minutes... It's really amazing this how challenging it can be to do this practice. So with that as a setup, let's take a little time. It would be nice for people to honestly share what it's like both tonight practicing but even more so practicing at home and the kind of challenges. And a nice thing, in particular on week three, I like people to check in around the kind of mood or attitudes that you're noticing, not just in your formal sitting, but even being mindfully aware of the attitude, different qualities in your mind through the day. And then what happens when you're aware grumpiness is like this, or happiness, the happy attitude is like this. What happens when we're mindfully aware of the attitude or the emotions in the mind? course any questions that you have and the last thing you might check in on if you've tried some of the walking meditation practice if you haven't tracked down that handout remember all the handouts are on our website you go to where this class is described either when you look under programs there's a little subcategory new to meditation you'll find the link to the handouts and the recorded talks like I'm recording this fall session and I recorded last fall So last fall is already up there. If you missed the session or you just want to get a guided meditation similar to what we're doing here, you can find that. And I think there are eight handouts for this, including one handout on walking meditation by um, Gil Franzdahl, a wonderful teacher from the West Coast. So comments or questions from your practice to share with the group. Remember to point the mic like this right at your mouth, real close, so we can all hear you. What have you been learning? What's been challenging? What questions have come up? What successes, learnings have happened for you? Yes, please. Uh, Say your name if you don't mind. Yep,
2: Uh, Andy. um, So one night this week, this past week, I was feeling really sad, like a lot of really strong, sad emotions came along. And so I was like, well, I, maybe the meditation will help that, uh, help me, I don't know, understand that. But so I tried to do it, but it was just like too much. Like it was, I, I just kept kind of getting lost in the, like following the stuff that was happening. Um, so just wondering if you have any tips on like when it's really strong, kind of those strong emotions.
1: <coughs> yeah. So the this is um a common thing because we well we're just an emotional being for the first point and then the more we do the practice we're becoming more sensitive to emotion to everything basically because we're stabilizing the awareness we're clarifying the awareness. So just because of that everything's going to look bigger. The sadness will look bigger, more clear, more intense, more poignant, right? And is sadness or any emotion in itself a problem? It's not. But what makes it confusing for our mind is the mind instinctively or habitually thinks it has to react to the feeling of the emotion. So sadness generally is an unpleasant feeling. Not always, but often is an unpleasant feeling. So the first step is always to acknowledge the emotion and to be interested, like I was saying earlier, about well, what does this feel like? Does it have a location in the body, for example, energetically? Is it pleasant or unpleasant? Oh, it's unpleasant. Feel it here. It's unpleasant. Well, can I be can the mind be aware, intimate with that feeling? Is it dangerous to be intimate with the feeling of sadness? What happens if I really relax? What happens if I put down all my defenses, soften, and allow whatever that sadness is to move? Anything goes. Tears, sobbing, whatever it is. Even in a public space like here, if you go on retreat or even just the morning sit here, we have an open sitting time. If you want, if you live close, you could just come here for your daily sit. We have, you know, I think about 30 people, because they were open from 6:30 to 9 a.m., Monday through Saturday. And you can come for any half an hour part, or if you want to sit for two half an hour pieces of that, some people even sit for an hour and a half. But you'll be with other people during that time. So we're sort of giving permission, because emotion like sensation, like sound, like sight, like thought, everything that arises in our experience moves. There's actually nothing static. Our thoughts about things, like, oh, I'm sad, that thought gives the appearance that something's static, like there's a me who's sad as a sort of a fixed entity, but the direct and immediate knowing of the emotion of sadness, it's more like a river. It's a changing, flowing, conditional unfolding, right? It's a changing process. And so we're learning to trust that it's okay for emotion to move. That's what emotion does. It moves. But because of the unpleasantness, we think we have to sort of control the movement of emotion. And so we're learning to let it move. It's the same thing with physical pain. We tighten up our own physical pain because we think it's dangerous to just let the unpleasant sensations move or an unpleasant memory. Same thing with pleasant. I, I normally talk about unpleasant because most of us gain some initial skill dealing with unpleasant sensation, unpleasant mental thoughts and memory, unpleasant emotions. And when we get good at that, then we can start working with pleasant because pleasant is even more difficult to be aware of. It is. Because we immediately want to grasp. And we don't think we have to practice with pleasant. So learn your chops. Gain your skill with the unpleasant. So when you start opening and noticing more wholesome, pleasant experiences arising, you can be intimate. You can be present without grasping because that's what we do with pleasant we want to hold on we don't want it to go away we want to control it we want to own it and of course that ruins it and the unpleasant we want to push away we want to deny we want to run from yeah so to get interested in the feeling see if opening to it like allowing that feeling of sadness the unpleasant feeling of sadness to do whatever it wants to do. So now it's your meditation object. You're not going back to the body. I mean, sadness isn't in a different location than the awareness of the body, but it's the sadness and the unpleasantness of the sadness that is your meditation object. That's what's what's in the forefront of attention. Oh yeah, it's sadness. And you're seeing sadness as a movement, an emotional movement or a movement of emotion. It feels like this, and it's a feeling that wants to move. Maybe it's moving toward being more intense. Well, it has permission, because it's nature. It's not actually you who are sad. That sadness is just the feeling being known. right? And then the content is going to swirl around the feeling, but don't take the bait and start thinking about why you're sad or what happened or what you got to Don't try to suppress the thoughts. Just stay interested in the feeling, the unpleasant feeling of the sadness. Oh, sadness, how does it feel? It's unpleasant. How do I know it's unpleasant? Because it feels like this, right? Oh, yeah, this is what's relevant. Can I be with this feeling? Can I allow it? Can I soften? Can I let it do what it's going to do anyway? Move. Yeah, it's safe to let it move. It's scary, but it's safe. Yeah, thanks for your question. You want to pass it over? How about anger?
0: Um, So I have a six-year-old. Maybe a little closer. I have a six-year-old, and um, we're going through some challenges. She's really intelligent for her age, and sometimes it's hard to work with her because she has words of, like, adult and, like, think she's adult but she's still a child and like it's okay to be angry but like it kind of like i don't have a patient sometime and i get angry and how how can i use meditation at that moment yeah either for her or myself
1: yeah well start with yourself right and uh The most important thing is to be really honest. So it's good that you're able to acknowledge to yourself that you see the anger, your anger, right? Your frustration, the resistance, and to see it as a natural process, like a big of course. Because absolutely everything that happens, from the mechanics of breathing to the movement of emotion, sadness, anger, everything happens lawfully. There are roots, there are causes for the anger to arise, right? So when it arises, the attitude should be, not that anger is skillful, but of course, when things are like this, when the frustration builds, when I'm trying to be a good parent, but it's not working, when the child is too smart for her own good, you know, then this arises, this frustration arises, this anger arises, And then there's this fear of being the angry mother, and that amplifies it or compounds it, right? And it kind of builds. The judgment kicks in, the embarrassment, the shame, the child taking advantage of you feeling bad about getting angry, you know, and on and on like that. So just that honest acknowledgement of the... It's really impersonal in a way when you kind of, in a sense... To be intimate in a way you have to step back. Because when you're enmeshed, when you're identified, when you're taking it personally and you're struggling, then you can't actually be intimate. So in a sense, stepping back and seeing the big picture, seeing it as an impersonal process, lawful, couldn't be uh, given how everything is, couldn't be other than what it is, that allows the mind to see it more clearly, even more intimately, oh yeah. This is how it is. Can this be okay? Now, it's not that you want to be a frustrated or angry mother, but it's this way now. So we always start with this intimacy, right? Is it like when we're doing, let's say we're doing something really despicable. Is it better to pretend that that ain't so? Is it better to be in denial? No. No. When we're doing something inappropriate, it's always useful to be intimate, to be aware. Oh yeah, anger is like this. It feels like this, just like I was saying for some of the other comments. It feels like this. It's unpleasant like this. Can this be okay? Because when you make peace with the feeling of anger, then you don't need the anger. Right, The anger was a w- in a way, the emotion is a way of masking, controlling the unpleasant feeling. But one more, because what's really underneath the anger? Fear of not being in control. right? So you might need to do a little tracing back or maybe there's some self-judgment underneath the anger. Or maybe the child is exposing in you that you have doubt about how to handle a six-year-old or what's right or wrong in terms of choices you're making as a parent and you don't like that unpleasant feeling of doubt so there may be a little tracing back that you realize that under the anger is fear and under the fear is doubt and under doubt is humiliation and under humiliation is you can't control life and you know but you eventually get down to some yucky feeling that in the Buddhist tradition we call dukkha the basic unsatisfactory feeling, (laughs) unsatisfactory quality of any experience, even pleasant experience, because we can't grasp it, we can't hold it, we can't own it. So everything has that. And you use it to make, you use that sort of following the thread from gross to subtle, so that you, um, it's a way of dropping a lot of the reactivity because the reactivity comes from our unwillingness to feel what we're feeling. Oh, yeah. And when you make peace with that, you're, you're modeling for everybody around you what they have to do too. Right? Oh, it feels like this. And you'll feel a lot more grounded, and your response will be more nimble and creative because it won't come out of a, a reaction. It's, she can't do this to me. I'm the parent, you know, this sort of, uh, I'm bigger than you are so it's going to be my way. <laughs> right? I mean, we can do that. We can play that card. But it, it doesn't go well when we do that, right? Because it, it ends up, that she's just learning. And she has more energy than you. <laughs> 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 and eventually, she'll be bigger than you, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Other comments from your, yeah, maybe, n- th- and then
2: you next. I just have a quick question. It's not so much about the emotions and the feelings, but more about the sensations that come within the body. I, when I start to feel like my mind going away and the thoughts flowing, I start to get a very intense tingling feeling across my forehead. What kind of a, feeling? Like a tingling, flowing feeling across mm-hmm. my temples to my forehead. And I feel like I want my, my body starting to like try to spin. And I don't know if I'm just making that up because I'm trying so hard to meditate or if that's something real.
1: Yeah, but remember... I don't know if you were, were you here last week? Yes. Yeah, so just to keep reminding yourself that the practice unfolds when the mind is in balance. And the easy way to think of the balance is alert and relaxed. So if we're trying really hard to meditate, that's the time to stop and just to reflect. So what am I doing here? I'm just cultivating a present moment awareness. So just try right now, How, what kind of effort do you need right now, not theoretically, to be aware, to remember, to recognize it's like this now. So you, whether it's like you recognize that sitting is like this, or hearing Mark talk is like this now, or seeing is like It could be any aspect of the present moment. So the effort is actually very specific. It's the effort to remember to recognize the present moment or the effort to remember that this is being known. See, it's not not a tense. If there's a lot of tension, it's because we're trying to control, like trying to get rid of something unpleasant well, it's
2: not so much tension, it's just a feeling. Like, I feel just really fuzzy, and then, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm wanting to, like, kind of keep spinning and move yeah, through but, my body, but it's yeah, not, but like, Yeah, maybe pleasant. that's
1: okay to let things be the way that they are. So the one question you could ask yourself at that time is, this is sensation, and maybe it's a new sensation, like you're not familiar with it, but it's just sensation, right, that energetic feeling, whatever it is for you. Kyle, is that right? Yeah. So whatever it is, it's just sensation being known. And then ask, can this be okay? Is it dangerous? And you just you don't have to tell yourself, oh, no no, this is fine. You don't know. Because it's new, right? So just explore like well, what happens when I relax? What happens when I allow the body in this particular place to feel the way it feels? And explore it for yourself. Yeah. And remember that relaxation is really important. And I mentioned earlier, I was talking to Kyle before the class, that you can practice lying down meditation. Remember the four postures standing, lying down, walking, and sitting. Now, sitting is generally the predominant place to do most of your formal practice because it, for most people, you know, not, not for everyone, but for most people, most of the time, It's where you can find that nice balance between being alert and relaxed. Lying down, easier to be relaxed, not as easy to be alert for very long when you're lying down, right? So if you've got a lot of anxiety, a lot of physical discomfort, then that will keep you alert even when you're lying down. So you might, you know, instead of doing your lying down meditation for five or ten minutes, you might be able to do for 15 minutes because you don't get dull or you don't get sleepy. Other people, you'll be good for just three minutes in the lie down and then it's not a good posture for you anymore. But so, just so you know, everybody, I really strongly recommend you do some sitting practice every day. Let that be your predominant posture for po- practicing. But take advantage of the other postures, depending on what's going on with you. Like if you're really motivated to practice, but you can only sit comfortably for ten minutes, then maybe you sit for ten minutes and then you stand with your knees a little bent for 10 minutes, and then you sit for 10 minutes. And then you get a 30-minute practice, but you're not dealing with a lot of painful sensations, which is interrupting the continuity of your present moment awareness. Or you sit, and then you do a little walking practice, and then you sit a little bit more. right? Or you sit on the floor, and then you stand, and then you sit on a chair. Now, it's nice to have continuity where you're not moving the body because I'm sure you've noticed when you move your body a lot of thinking gets triggered. So as a you know preliminary practice stillness really helps, but not still stillness because you're forcing it. You want to be relaxed. We're just not trying to tolerate the unpleasant feeling, right? We're trying to understand it, be intimate, relaxed and alert with it. Thanks, Kyle. You want to pass the mic back to the chairs?
2: Thank you. My name is Stephen. I have a similar question that's about the practice itself. Um, I, Out of a 30 minute sit as we did tonight, I'd say maybe a third of it I'm easily able to quiet the mind and sort of um, be. Um, But there are times within that being that I am like a wisp of smoke that just dissipates and suddenly I feel like in an expanse, like I'm further away from my body and further away from knowing and being and alertness. I mean, it's not completely gone. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, again, this idea of knowing it, letting it happen versus I don't know, I call it alpha state, but something like that, where I'm just further gone, is that okay to go there, or what's the recommendation? It it partly
1: depends. um, The question is, for your mind, for the practice, is can the mind be alert and relaxed in that place? Not what that place is. And the thing is, we have to have a very open mind about the present moment. The present moment, like we think, oh yeah, the body, this room, that's 99% of that is our thought about the present moment. So as things settle down in our meditation, the experience of the body is going to be very different when the mind is more settled. The reality of your problems and location... most of that is built upon conceptual meaning, the thinking mind is projecting onto the present moment. And so when things settle, that falls away. And so the present moment may be very unrecognizable, wispy, as you say, or ephemeral, or more like space than something like me. But maybe that's reality, and this is a dream. So you, ha- you need to have an open mind. Don't tell yourself you shouldn't have any expectations. So check if your mind is alert. Because there are places you can go where you're getting into a trance-like state or a dreamy, sleepy state. That's not helpful because there's no learning in those states. But if your mind is alert, then notice the ephemeral, open, spacious quality. Is there knowing? Yeah, the mind is knowing. Right? Is the mind alert? Is it seeing what is arising, what is showing up? Is it seeing it clearly? Can it be interested? It's just unfamiliar, right? Initially it will be unfamiliar, but you can notice that too, right? Like the not knowing, the not recognizing it is like this. Maybe there's a little both excitement because of the newness and a little fear because of the newness. So you can notice those subtle Emotional qualities, that might be there. A little exhilaration, a little energy, right? If it's peaceful, if it's beautiful, notice that. Oh, peacefulness is like this. If the mind, if the experience seems beautiful or blissful, notice that. That's just something being known. Remember what I said earlier? It's much harder for the stability, the continuity of awareness when it's pleasant and subtle than it is when it's painful we will long for the days where there's knee pain to be open to, because it's so like there. But in the more wispy, open space, it's very easy to, to because th- the mind, the very strong habit that will get triggered is, this is really nice, I don't need to practice. And then, then in that relatively tranqu- tranquil, spacious space, it's very easy just to slide into dreaming, Right, and you still may be upright. It's not like you're going to fall over, but you're basically in some kind of dream trance-like state. And that the only problem about that, because that's you know, it's relatively peaceful. It's like a good nap. But the thing is, it gets to be a very deep habit. So whenever you sit, the mind goes there, and then you could practice for years, but you won't learn anything. You have a peaceful experience, but you won't learn, and you really miss the fruits of practice. So it's really good to check it early on in your practice if that's what's happening. So the key is when things get pleasant and spacious and peaceful is to stay alert and relaxed. So when it's peaceful, you have to be interested in the peacefulness, the pleasantness. Same thing I was saying for difficult experience where you drop into the feeling. Same thing, you get interested in the pleasant feeling. Oh this is pleasantness being known can i be intimate can there be a real intimacy real relaxation with the pleasantness what happens when i the heart opens awareness opens to the pleasantness well what will happen is it will mature it will become more pleasant more light more free right so just let it evolve like that yeah thanks for bringing that up i think we have time for one or two more comments Yeah, first over here, in the maroon sweater.
0: Hi, I'm Joanne. Um, So I had this question last week. And then whenever I would sit this week, I would think, I'm going to ask that question. Um, So I'm doing this planning, even just sitting here waiting to speak, I'm going, well, I'm going to ask this question. Mm-hmm. So you talked some last week about labeling and um, words. And so I guess my question is, I, I've always done labeling, like uh, tingling, planning, remembering. You yeah, know.
1: Sometimes called mental noting, right? where you're putting a label, a note, on the predominant experience. So you're still just allowing the mind to recognize what's ever being known in the present moment. But as a sort of way of strengthening that habit of remembering to recognize the present moment, you make a mental note. Oh, thinking is being known. Or just the word thinking. Or maybe you can be more specific. Planning mind. Worrying mind is being known, right?
0: Right. And so how can you... I mean, I'm... I'm working to not do the words, but I can't not do words.
1: Yeah, but then notice that. Notice the compulsion or the habit. Maybe it's, there's some subtle fear of like, you're not going to be doing it right if you don't use a mental label, a mental note, because you don't, it's just like a, a tool to use, especially when the mind needs a little bit more energy. It's like, You're a little drowsy or a little bit um, not that clear. And then asking your mind to make the effort to put a label on what the mind is knowing, to name it. And remember, if you can't figure out what it is, but you feel like your mind is knowing it, just use the word this. Oh, this is being known, right?
0: Right, so you're still using a
1: word. Right. But for you So I
0: don't know the difference between this is being known because this is a word.
1: Right. But no, I'm saying that, so for you, like if you're feeling that using the mental note, if you're suspicious that there's some attitude in the mind or some emotion, like it's an expression of your controlling personality, something like that, which is common. And the people who tend to like noting aren't necessarily the people who should do it. And the people who don't like it, you probably should use it more, right? (laughs) So if someone has a controlling personality, then you just want to start noting that or noticing. I mean, it's always about the noticing and the noting, the mental labeling, is just a skillful means to use or to not use. And if you're using it neurotically, then try to notice that. Whether you name it or not, notice the controlling. That's why... Week three, I generally encourage people, and this is sort of part of your homework this week, to get interested in the attitude that's doing the meditation practice. So it's not just about, oh yeah, now this is being known, this is being known, this is being known. But like, what's the attitude? Are you grumpy? Are you controlling? Are you peaceful? Are you sweet and kind with your experience? Are you aggressive and you know reactive with your experience? So just notice, as something that's there in the present moment not noticing in order to fix your personality or to fix your attitude but just acknowledging oh yeah the attitude's like this now Mm -hmm. thank you yeah thanks for bringing that up time for one more anything else that has come up that you'd like to share with the group yes please
0: hi i'm hillary um i just um you were talking about strengthening the core and i just was I've been noticing how hard it is to me is very surprising. <laughs> and I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I haven't had a practice, but to sit and not slouch and not sort of keep that stacked and, uh And so just do you have any, you know, suggestions or things I feel like I'm constantly sort of like catching myself leaning forward and then having to straighten up or yeah Some of it is also tiredness too, and so I also sort of as you sit we're in meditating the it's like the you're evening. feeling yourself catching yourself like I'm about to you know fall asleep
1: yeah but that that thing of the nod is really common even with really experienced meditators, and it's because when the mind gets pretty good at getting to that tranquil space, then as soon as that mind because that mind has become like a very subtle instrument, and as soon as the mind loses its interest in the present moment, the whole thing can implode. And you can go from having moments of being very balanced, very alert and relaxed, but then you lose the alertness, you lose the interest, and there's because there's so much relaxation, the mind goes instantaneously almost to falling asleep. And you get the sort of... And generally speaking... The sensations of falling forward wake the mind up, hopefully before you hit, <laughs> and then you see. So sometimes just open your eyes. I mean, don't be neurotic about this, and watch. And you'll see that in a group this size, there's always a few people doing the nod. You know, and every once in a long while, you hear this. <laughs>
0: well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm yeah, not alone. So you're not alone, <laughs> no.
1: And remember, the most important thing about the posture is don't get obsessive about the posture because the whole practice is about the mind, suffering or heart. You remember, mind, heart, same thing in terms of our Buddhist awareness practice. It's all about the mind and the heart. Now, we gotta, we're, we've got this vehicle, you know, the body. This is the mind, heart, whatever, is tethered to this body for this life that we know, right? So we've got to deal with the body. We have to be friendly with the body. We have to use the body. But don't worry so much about your posture. Just make it good enough. And then sometimes explore like if the posture's collapsed a little bit. Just finish the sit with it that way. Other times, make the subtle adjustment in the space of mindfulness. Be aware of the movement and the adjustment and any shame or any kind of judgment that comes up about having to move your body. And that And that's just something being known. That's just the next thing being known. Yeah. But you can be alert even when the body, right? You can have a 90-year-old body all crinkled and still have crystal clarity. And that's important to know because otherwise we'll never fix the body. Our body has been holding the cumulative stress of all the unresolved pain of our lives, emotional, physical, trauma, of our lives. It gets beaten down. So if we're starting our practice you know know, even as a 20 year old starting my practice you know there's just a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of physical discomfort when we're willing to be intimate with the body. But running from it and being in denial of it is more stressful than learning to be aware of the body. Same with emotion, same with other mental qualities. We want to be right in the middle because it's so stressful to work hard at being in denial and being distracted and being unaware. Nobody, nobody. as one teacher said, nobody chooses to be numb. Nobody consciously, from a balanced point of view, chooses to be unaware or numb. We do it because of habit. And it's a it's a it's the ultimate deal with the de- devil you know this idea that i'm just you know going to choose not to be aware right and then we we start to be frightened about being present feeling what we feel cuz we've taken that first step that i'm going to get a break by just disappearing you know and i'm going to get distracted or use drugs or drink or watch TV or, you know, all the things we all do to some degree. But we have to realize that that reinforces when things are rough, we hide, we distract. And then no wonder we start to feel numb and depressed because we're not connected to our life anymore, because we've chosen a strategy of distraction and disconnection. It's so interesting now when you know I lead a lot of uh, nine-day retreats around the country, and uh, more and more we have to make a big deal with the retreatants at the beginning to sort of encourage them to turn in their cell phones. Because it's not even like, I mean, the rule is you don't look at your cell phone for those nine days. You don't really talk. You're not connected with the outside world. You're just with your present moment experience. But it's really hard because that's how we stay distracted. You know, all those things that we feel like we have to be aware of. So that's where we're going back. Just be aware of the dependency, like to turn the radio on when you get in the car, or the, uh, you know, the whatever TV on when you get home, or the kind. And just notice this sort of fear of being present, and really check it out. Like, is it scary to be present? Is that really true? And just don't force yourself to sort of give up everything because you you're just get a pushback from it. Just like, honey, I just want to, I'm just, we're, we're all interested, you know, whoever, whatever this is, we just all want to be happy, right? Peaceful, alive, engaged. So we're just going to explore like what actually leads in that direction. So if you want to watch four episodes of this program, Fine, but we're going to be aware of what happens when we do that. Like, what do we get? What's the consequence? Is it working? Right? Or we're going to sit and meditate. Okay, you don't want to sit and meditate. Well, let's just check it out and see what happens. Because it's all about tracking cause and effect. That's how real change happens. Week four, next week, we really will emphasize what gets in the way of the continuity of of mindfulness. So check it out and bring your comments what you find. What actually gets in the way? What are the obstacles that show up for you? Thanks, everyone.
0: This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website,